Welcome everyone to the Music Teacher's Survival Guide by Musico. I'm Dr Nick Parnell and on today's episode I'm talking with the one and only John Morrison on how to prepare your jazz band for competitions such as Generations in Jazz. John is one of Australia's best and most loved drummers, big band leaders and educators. He is the eldest of the Morrison family and has spent much of his musical life playing and recording with his younger brother James Morrison, as well as many other greats such as Don Burroughs. As the driving force behind groups such as Sydney Big Band and Swing City, John, who was incidentally voted as Australia's best drummer, especially loves the big band sound. Further to his playing schedule, John is a musical director for Jazz Workshop Australia, Jazz Camp, Generations in Jazz and many others. Welcome, John. How are you going? Oh, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me on. John, tell us a little bit about how you first encountered the drums <laughs> and your musical start. Oh, I think my musical start now goes way back to you know being uh, almost a toddler. My mum was a church organist, so young James and I, uh, he was two and a half years younger, sat by mum on the organ and, and sang La 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 along with the hymns. I think it was great to have that start and sort of harmony training and, and we would hear other notes happening, people sing other notes, and so we'd, we'd experiment with those. But when we moved from the country, Dad was a, a minister. When we moved, Now, now to, whereabouts was that in the country? That was in uh, Orange, Orange in New South Wales. Yep. So we were in Blaney, Orange, um, and also Burua where Eric Bryce was born too, and James was born there, Antari. So Dad moved around as a young preacher. And when we, um, my grandfather passed away on my mum's side, we moved to Sydney, and there was a brass band at the school. All of the kids surfed. Uh, we didn't surf, of course. So we, we hung out in the band room, and, and the kids, we, we enjoyed it. And uh, I, I sort of joined the band first, played trumpet. Um, I wanted to play the drums. I was very looking longingly at the drums, and the band director... Uh, said, you know, that I wasn't to play the drums because, unfortunately, I was a reasonable trumpet player when I when I was quite young. Um, he did allow me to have other instruments. He sent me try. I could try the trombone and euphonium. So as history, you know, records it, uh, and a few times now is that I was taking all these instruments home, and my younger brother was was. Uh, taking them from under the bed and practising them. And uh, and because of, you know, that opportunity that I had in primary school, uh, James got an early head start. And uh, by the time he was just starting in high school, uh, you know, 12, 13 years of age, he could play already quite competently on the trumpet, trombone, euphonium, tuba. Um, and it was purely that, you know. And uh, my so my longing to play the drums and and goofing around with all the brass instruments, um, sort of fell into place. And mum said, look, you can, you can learn the drums when you go to high school, um, and, uh, but you've got to play a year of piano first. So I had You know, that's so lessons. funny because my mum said exactly the same thing yeah. to me when I was growing up and I was learning the drums. W- weren't we lucky? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I did it to the day, 10th of March, I think, uh, on my... I'd saved up uh, $300 from a paper run, and, uh, which was a lot of money, and my parents chipped in a bit more, and I got my first drum kit after a year of piano lessons. And I went at it quite ferociously. Um, James also, we were playing at school. There's not a lot of music in high school for us. Um, but we the, the church that we'd been involved in and um, the mum and dad were uh, essentially elders of was very musical and they had they had a group that used to go around it was like a 
more modelled on what you'd imagine an American a gospel group. You know, yep. we were playing jazz, we were playing gospel music yep. um, with a band with horns and, and we were going playing in clubs. And so we had um, the musical director was a professional musician um, and he sort of was taking us, we got permission to take us into clubs and work in, in the RSL clubs, backing acts and... I was 15 and James was 13 and we had to, had to chaperone. We were working professionally um, in our teens and so that sort of, you know, that sort of sums up why things got accelerated um, for us, um, you know, quite significantly. We were, we were pushed ahead and um, and thankful for it, you know. So a teaching thing came along. I was... Um, I was having lessons at the the uh, the church had a, a music school as well, and I had I was learning off the drum teacher there. He was a really an electrician, and um, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know I was about to move on anyway. One day that I was I was the first finishing school. I was the first of about nine students that each have half an hour. You know, so I walked yeah. from school, and the teacher didn't turn up, and the principal of the school, the music school, came and said, "Look, John." Uh, we've got a problem, you know. Your teacher has is uh, can't come today, and no mobile phones or anything, you know. So do you, do you mind sitting here with the students as they come in, you know? So I was, I remember, I was fourteen at the time, and um, I said, yeah, that'll be fine. Um, I got on the, you know, the payphone, rang mum, said, oh, well, I'm going to be late, mum. I'm got, I'm going to stay. And I babysat all the students that came in, you know, about my age. And I thought it was great, and, and they all enjoyed it. And anyway, two weeks later, the, they'd had a meeting, and they said, would you like to take over the drum tutor chair? I was 14. And I got paid. I got three. It was $3.50 an a, a half hour. I was $7 an hour. It was incredible. I mean, I, was, I became a... You know, an independent teenager. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, my pocket money was fifty cents. You know, yeah. I could I could go and pay my father to do my chores. You know, yeah. um, so the the teaching thing, I I I I took to it. I loved it. You know, I was playing a lot, but I took great pride in in uh, watching my young students advance. And some of them are a little bit older. Um, and it, it pushed me. I, I think that's what I like most, you know. That I'd have a student, oh, he's playing paradiddles really well, you know. So I, and I'd say, well, let's move on. And so I, I'd, I had all, I had about 12 students in the end and watching them progress and thinking about them and, and there was really a, a focus on development, thought made me think about my own development and my practice time and I was, wasn't a t- particularly productive practicer but I had to develop ways of engaging my students to practice, you know, and um, somewhat benefited from that. So it was a bit of an accident. You know, the drum teacher didn't turn up. Uh, two weeks later, I got a gig, you know, and, <laughs> and I taught I taught privately, um, you know, to the point and then did the, the odd club work where um, I did. It was, it was very um, satisfying to make a almost a professional wage when I was a teenager. Um, and that does inspire you, you know. I spent all my money on learning to fly aeroplanes. I was old enough, so I learned. I got my pilot's license. That's all I wanted to do <laughs> with the money. <laughs> do, you, so, do you still fly these days? Yeah, I still got it commercial. I, I haven't flown much since COVID. In the last ten years, I was flying as an aeromedical pilot um, and on a casual basis. Um, music, you know, after I sort of finished 
an early flying career and I didn't want to go to the airlines. I, I enjoyed working in it, um, the medical aeromedical industry and I did, just wanted to play, um, you know, focus on that. So I've had this blended blended career and, and it, it all a bit by accident, I suppose, in terms of falling into into things. Um, I was... I can remember the first, uh, I'm probably answering one of the questions now, but uh, I remember one of the music teachers who had a, a school band rang me one day, and I would, have, I would have been in my early 20s at this time now, and said to me, I have a drummer in my school band, and I need you to come and sort him out before one of us dies. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought, okay, I'll go along. So I was paid again. It was just like a. So I went along to the band rehearsal, and this poor young drummer, he's he t- the music was you know unreadable to him because it was a jazz big band. So I quickly sorted him out, and oh, anyway, so the word got around amongst the teach the, the teachers that were taking bands in school mm-hmm. that look if you got it, you know, John's a fix it guy, he'll come in here in half an hour, your drummer will you know, sort him out and never sound better. So I had I quickly became busy going to all these schools doing little clinics with the rhythm section. And, and that, that's what you're doing a lot of these days in what the I education do. side of your work as well as all your gigging and we're chatting Absolutely. before you you've been down or been to Brisbane a couple of times and Melbourne flying all over the country doing this kind of it's work. It's still the same work. And you know it 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 stretched more because then I think the the wonderful thing about it, like learning from your students in one year and I and I'd probably been to 40 or 50 different schools, which is a lot, mm. I realised that I'd been, I'd seen 50 different band directors and I'm watching them do what they do. And then I, when I had, later, years later, when I had my own children, I, I was going on, I thought, I want I can do this, I'm going to get this down, I would love to do it. I ended up um, work, moving on and taking uh, Kalara High School for four years. I did Skeggs Redlands. And so I had no background other than, the you know this incredible wealth of knowledge that I gained from other teachers, much like what your podcast does, is sharing this knowledge. I had I'd never been to university, um, but I, my university was all of these amazing teachers, you know, and I remember you know learning great things about. Conducting, you know, I was seeing bands with Steve Williams and yeah. Peter Boonshaft, and, and you spent time in New York as well. I did a year in New York uh, was, as well. Was that at the same time as James was there? Yep, we both went over there in '85, the first time. Yeah, is that what the story of you guys when you were living on the boat? Yes, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember reading about that. I thought it's such a great story. You'd, you'd save up all your money and go out and buy a steak, you know, what <laughs> once a month or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, you know, it was it was a bit of a haphazard trip. Um, we uh, we were a bit lost here actually, and I I decided I was going to play. We wanted to start a big band. We said let's. Um, we started the Morrison Brothers Big Bad Band. We had um, some management, but that wasn't you know it was it was good. The management didn't like us, and I, I can understand why we were we were difficult to manage uh, at the time. We went to Japan with the big band in the early days. It was a bebop big band. It was. And it was a very rough, rough sort of uh, ragtag mob of great players, um, but we didn't really have a lot of skill in that either. You know, we just put the best players we could together and see what happened. Yeah. So again, falling into that, I um I always wanted to have you know later starting Swing City. I wanted to have a full big band of my own. And James, 
is, has had experience with big bands and we've run big bands before. Not his first love. Uh, he loves writing for them and he loves them. But, you know, James is, and he musically would choose a small group. I mean, I love playing both as well. But for a drummer, I've got to say, um, the big band is, uh, you know, the Ferrari of bands for us, you know. It, yeah. To me, it's, people say it's like driving a truck. I don't see it. I think, it, I think it's a wonderful uh, large ensemble with the drums because you're able to, you can direct the band with the percussion, you know, uh, understanding that the drums are so uh, integral to how a big band feels and how it works and for the nuances that you can play mm. and the dynamics that you can play on the drums to suggest to the band and I loved all that. I'd, I'd studied it. And you can it. really let loose as well. But you know, it's a bit like oh. I think you know Buddy Rich said this once about he he loved that big band format yeah. because you got a lot of volume because there's a lot of instruments. And of it course, was a the great way Buddy, showcase, yeah. yeah, of yeah. course, the way Buddy used to play, he used to whack the hell out of the drums. It was the best showcase for him. You know, he wrapped a big band around his playing. Best, you know, one of the world's most incredible drummers. Um, I listened to a lot of Mel Lewis. Um, you know, Hamilton. I love Mel Lewis's playing and. Uh, Louis Belson, who I met and, and yeah. had a little bit of study time with. Jeff Hamilton spent time with me. I, I, I love the, um, the whole concept. And it's not about the drums for me. It's more about, uh, more about large ensembles. Hi, everyone. Dr. Nick Parnell here. Just a quick note for our Australian listeners that the Nick Parnell Percussion Academy is now hiring out high-quality vibraphones and marimbas for personal hire for school students as well as for schools. To order online or find out more, please check out nickparnell.com. Thanks for listening. Now back to the podcast. What are some of the real challenges you see the school groups have, school jazz groups? Uh, look, I think even the music teachers and directors would agree with me. When you have a, if if you're a, a, a competent uh, saxophone player or trumpet player, um, you you might be at the absolute top of your game. You know, and I've talked about this with with um, great players all all around the country and overseas. There is a, a you know what the band's got to sound like. You direct the band. You have the right material. You do all of these things. But then, when it comes to communicating with the players that of the instrument, you don't have. So you're a, you're a, a you know top trumpet player. You've got to describe to your young saxophone players about how they're going to play this turn and how the embouchure is going to feel and how you know how we're going to do this. So you've got to stretch into that. You know the bass player is struggling. With this, with this walking line, and you've got to do, you know, trip to get the dong, to get the dong. How is that going to work? Well, we survive by hopefully having good um, private teachers. If if the if a school is able to wrap their private teachers around the and everyone's on the same page, and it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. Um, around a, a student's development, you can get there, but in the end of the day, you can only know so much standing in front of a big band and getting that across. Even my hapless beginnings of fixing drummers was because very few drummers in the early days were taking bands, you know, um, at all. And so th there was this language missing, you know. Um, you know, I want you to go like this with your foot and ding, ding, and trying to just trying to verbalise. And certainly they couldn't jump on the drums and, and try it. At least if you were describing to the saxophones how something would go, you could pick up your trumpet and play the lines. So those are the right notes, you know, and, and, and exam. But the drums, you know, what, what's going to, how is it going to untangle it? 
Then, of course, you've got the, the problem that drummers, young drummers do face is you've got this big band chart with nothing on it. And it's, it's good that it's got nothing on it. I looked at Nick Mulder, my Nick Mulder the other day, he's written nothing. And he's hoping that you play something wonderful. Uh, and, and I hope they didn't pay him too much for that arrangement. Look, you know, <laughs> I, I used it as an example to some students yesterday, and I said, look at this part. They said, what do we do with this part? There's nothing on it. And I said, yeah. well... You know, this is a license for you to to you know be a jazz drummer and do what you got to do. Now, surely it would be impossible to inspect, uh, expect all band directors to know how to suggest and to go on from there. You would suggest them to listen to things, to play them some things, and but then when it comes down with a young drummer, I'm talking you know about a a 14, 15 year old hasn't got a lot of jazz exposure. And it, your, your band is only going to be as good as this young drummer, honestly. Yep. Um, and therein lies the problem. So I think that's a challenge. I think the, the rhythm sections are still a challenge. You do have band directors these days who are rhythm section players who, and they would agree that they have trouble untangling how a fall-off might be played on the trumpet you know, and, and some of the stylistic thing. So we gather as much as we can, and um, I think... You never stop. That's the greatest thing about becoming a, a director is that you you never stop learning. There's always something. I I've got the trumpet, trombone, saxophone. I've helped my daughter's uh, a music teacher, and I said we're going to learn. You got to play a chromatic scale on the clarinet, flute, trumpet, trombone. You've got if you're going to take an intermediate concert band, you have to be able to look down at the student and say hello. That's E flat. These fingers. You know. You've got to be able to have that basic knowledge. I think anyway, and you can have a cheat sheet up there for transport, you know, if you need it. But be prepared that that um, at the more junior levels, you need a, a very special skill set. You know, an advanced advanced band is easy because they know how to play. They're not going to play wrong. No, you're going to stylistically shape them. Uh, but the the intermediate to junior bands are a very specialist in their nature, and they require a skill set like no other musical skill set. Any performer, no other teacher, it is unique. And teaching jazz and improvisation in that framework setting is, to me, one of the most exciting challenges a musician can have. Yeah. Um, so, you know, speaking of jazz, I mean, there's lots of different styles of music that students can learn at school, you know, classical, concert music. Why is jazz so great for students? It's a, it's a great question, and it's probably one that's not asked enough. Um, so we, we traditionally you would have a, a good uh, concert band, wood ensemble. You have a, a jazz band, or you set up a big band, stage band, or whatever uh, a format for your more advanced students. Reward them, play some fun music, uh, and you know they'll, they'll be excited by playing in this other type of ensemble. Uh, as a as a but. Again, not necessarily having a plan of what what the what the deeper knowledge can be taken from uh, learning to improvise, and um, I I think myself um, jazz when it was sort of first thought about. I mean, in America, when it came into schools, they didn't even use the word big band. It's where the word stage band came from because anything to do with jazz seemed like, well, you know, that that's the devil's music, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, jazz has had to fight its way all mm. the way up to, you know, its credibility these days, <laughs> arguably, um, you know, in, in terms of credible its credible nature. I think 
Uh, more recent years, that's a, the question, though, um, Nick, that I've really sought to answer because I think it guides us better. So rather than repertoire building or other things, leave that to your other bands or if you're not reading, let's, let's not even take out charts and let's start to play, let's work on the blues. So I start with a small group and build it into a big band rather than have a concert band of all comers and then cut it down. So, so, it, so when you say you start with a small group, like, like what kind of instrumentation rhythm section, are you talking? Um, and, and usually trumpet, trombone, sax. Yeah. So if I'm going to start, if I wanted to start from the ground up, I would start with a six or seven piece, right? And I would take my, who was going to be eventually the lead players, not necessarily begin with too much improvisation for them, but teach them the style. So if I put, if I then expand, I put another trumpet player beside that trumpet player who can play the style with the nuances of the style, he will just sit there and play along straight away. And then all of a sudden, they'll, you can build on that idea now, this is really how big bands sort of grew out of the smaller ensembles. So we say a, a jazz ensemble, a stage band, big band, is not a small concert band. It's a large, small group. That's what it is. It's a large, small group. And so I think sometimes we, uh, you know, um, if we have the time and the, and, and the, the resources to do that, um, and not everyone does, um, so I... I, I particularly with schools that have a lot of drummers and a lot of bass players, a lot of guitarists, I can, you know, quickly whip them into a couple of small groups um, and then, you know, build, build them up um, as a plan. I think, I think, though, that when you look at the deeper aspects of improvisation, of um, giving a, a student responsibility for an individual part, like in a big band or jazz orchestra, your part, the second, the third trombone part is unique. It's a, it's a, it has to be played with a, a, like a leader would play it. You know, it has to have that. You're not going to be coming in with everybody. You're going to have your own entry points. You're going to have. You, you, you ask the musicians to, to stretch a bit further. You don't conduct them in time. You allow them to, to take on more of the responsibility of the playing. Um, and just guide them. So, in a sense, you you help them discover the music rather than show it to them or teach them. Yeah. And with the improvisation aspect, are you uh, would you be getting the students to try to improvise right from the word go? And, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I usually in my improvisation. Interesting. I do a lot of uh, improvisational sort of workshops these days, even in universities um, with uh, classical musicians and so forth, and really break it down. I mean, uh, there is, um, there's not a lot um, of it that's actually difficult. We, we, this is the, you know, the mind is the, is the trap here. I mean, the first thing is explain that we are natural improvisers. I mean, for the first time that um, our species picked up a rock and thought, you know what, I can sharpen a stick with that. It's a good idea. We improvised our way. I actually improvised our way to the moon from a sharp rock. Hi everyone, Dr Nick Parnell here. This concludes part one of my interview with John Morrison. 
part two is coming shortly so please hit subscribe so you don't miss when that episode drops in the next episode we discuss topics around choosing repertoire for your jazz band playing by year generations in jazz and john also discusses his relationship with his brother james morrison this episode is sponsored by the nick Pinell percussion academy which provides high quality percussion resources for schools and students please check out nickparnell.com to find out more Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon.